We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by the professor, Brian Marceau. Doing great, man. We get to talk about everyone's favorite football team today. No, not you, Idaho guys. We finally get to do another Northern Colorado deep dive. It is the best week of the year. And last but not least, producer seducer Martin Heemstra, fresh off of a return from Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah, it's good to be back on a nice Tuesday evening in Moscow. All right, guys. So obviously we're talking cupcakes this week. Uh, have Cheetah Will View has already made the joke. Did someone order cupcakes? Before we get to that, we've got a quick Martin Minute. Martin, you were boots on ground in Flagstaff to watch Idaho pound the piss out of NAU. What did you think of that game? First off, we're talking about the game. If you ever get a chance to go watch game in Flagstaff, I would say take it. It is worth the drive up to uh, up where it was worth the drive up from Phoenix, Arizona to go to Flagstaff. I wish we could have maybe spend the night there, but I mean, you got family, so you're staying with them, so not gonna, <clears throat> not gonna talk about it too much, but Game-wise, the first drive had the first this perfect Idaho start to the game. Just drive down, get a touchdown. The game, like for me, that first quarter was kind of the whoa, like, is this gonna be the same old, same old where they're just kind of letting NAU just go up and down for a little bit? But it was genuinely the most it felt like the most complete game Idaho has played this entire year. And the Idaho fans were there, they were in it the entire game, never felt out of it. It was damn fun to go down to Flagstaff and watch them play this year. Yeah, uh, I definitely felt like the best game Idaho has played. I obviously haven't reacted to the game, so I'll give you guys my quick thoughts before we jump into Around the Bar. Uh, Definitely felt like the best game Idaho has played. Obviously ran the ball right down NAU's throat. Ended up with 185 rushing yards, and that's even with Anthony Woods getting hurt midway through the game and not coming back. Uh, Roshan ended up with 25 carries. Looked pretty good doing it. Um, Giovanni McCoy, I thought played really well, only had two incompletions. So completed 90% of his passes and the touchdown pretty thrilled with that. I am still a little bit nervous about the offense. If I'm being honest, uh, three of 11 on third down conversions, again, perfect on fourth down conversions, which is great, but it does make me a little bit nervous. Those conversion numbers need to be better. If this team is going to compete against the Montana and Montana state esque teams, uh, but I think Idaho is making a very firm claim to being the fifth best team in this conference. Uh, and we'll obviously get into that uh, in the future. But uh, overall thoughts on NAU, thought Idaho just absolutely bodied them. Defense looked great in the second half. Couldn't be happier with, with this year's Idaho team. So uh, with that said, it's time to talk Northern Colorado. This is Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. As you can see on the screen, uh, our Chiron here, segment one, three hours on Northern Colorado. We call that the Rack of Tits 69 special. That's all we're going to do is talk Northern Colorado today. Uh, 
quick recap in case anybody's not a NOCO expert like the professor is. UNC is 2-2 two, two, two and 2 on the season. They started out 0-2 and, and then have uh, two straight wins off of Lamar, who is ass, and Idaho State, who is asshole, I guess. Um, two terrible teams that NAU has, uh, UNC has picked up a, a couple wins on. So while both uh, Idaho and, and and NOCO are 2-2 two and two on the season, these are not these are not comparable teams. Uh, Ed McCaffrey, new head coach. Uh, I mean, new head coach. It's technically his third season, their second real season because the COVID season, Noco didn't play. He's four and ten overall. Uh, some fun numbers for you guys. He has not had a three hundred yard passing performance by a quarterback in his career as their coach. That's also because his son is the quarterback, and we'll get to that. Uh, Elijah Dotson had one hundred two rushing yards last week against the vaunted idaho state defense it was the second time that they've had a 100 yard rusher under ed mccaffrey just not a good team guys not a good team uh and i'm filibustering brian i'm just going to give you guys a couple quick little updates their offense is very check down heavy they list a fullback which is something no not really many teams playing with a fullback anymore they are averaging 337 yards a game which feels about 300 more than what you'd actually expect if you watch them uh their defense is base three four they give up 381 yards a game. They just allowed Idaho State 400 plus yards of offense. So this is this is not a good team. You can look at the record and see it's it's two and two. Hey, they're you know they're 500 on the season. This is not a team that is going to finish the year at 500. This team is fucking terrible. Brian, now that I've kind of given everybody a quick brief of this is how terrible Northern Colorado is as the the Northern Colorado expert in the state of Idaho and probably far beyond that. Where do you want to take this discussion of this god awful team? Have to start with Northern Col Northern Colorado. They're certainly not as bad as Idaho State. Northern Colorado should have won that game by about fifty last week against Idaho State. But Northern Colorado is officially the butt of Vic's guy jokes because you already referenced it, Dallas of Ed McCaffrey, uh, how Ed McCaffrey is treating UNC football as some sort of state of Colorado welfare program to uh, employ his his son max as offensive coordinator get his his oldest son sorry not his oldest son his, his son dylan a free education max's girlfriend works as the direct director of football operations the, the reason i bring this up is ed mccaffrey is a joke right now because northern colorado does not look like they're taking football seriously uh, however there is some talent i want to talk about what you taught what you referenced in um northern colorado being checked down heavy that is selling it pretty damn short if you guys watch northern colorado their pass game it does not appear that either offensive coordinator max mccaffrey or quarterback dylan mccaffrey is comfortable calling or executing a pass where the ball travels beyond five yards it truly looks like if you took a more statuesque version of mason petrino and kept him in the pocket that's what they throw exclusively it is sometimes screen passes but against Idaho State, it was two or three yard dump dump pass like down just over the middle, and Idaho State just could not stop it. We will talk about the, about the Idaho end later, but my lord, Rob Orich just has to be damn tumescent watching Northern Colorado clips at, at this point because they're again you're going to hear the tone, guys. It's hard to take UNC seriously. Um, also, UNC their output right now. You got to keep in mind, man. Northern Colorado has had 
maybe the only there's the only team with a schedule that can even compare to University of Montana in terms of opening with easy teams. Northern Colorado lost to a terrible Houston Baptist team, barely beat a an absolutely awful Lamar team. Lamar would be ranked is ranked lower in Sagarin than Idaho State is, and then. Uh, Northern Colorado handled Idaho State, but that was a 14-14 game at halftime, result definitely in doubt. So I guess that's where I would start offensively. And the other is, yes, um, Northern Colorado has Elijah Dotson. He's a talented running back. That team cannot run the football, and that's against some of the shittiest teams that anyone in the big sky is going to play. Elijah Dotson's averaging under three and a half yards per carry. And that's a talented guy. It's just, look, other people figured out if Northern Colorado is only going to do rushes or incredibly short passes, that's just not a difficult strategy. And I do, there's a reason Northern Colorado averaged 12 points per game in the big sky last season. Their numbers look better now, and they are, of course, a little bit better talent-wise too, but they're not that much better. This is a cousin of the 12 point, points per game in big sky play last season. This is not some sort of different kind. No, this guys, this is going to be the most interesting preview show we've ever had because I, I did the outline for this show was trying to find things to talk about that could paint Northern Colorado in a positive light. And I couldn't find anything. Um, Brian alluded to the fact that they can't run the ball. They average 2.5 yards of carry as a team. That's not good for, for those that are keeping track at home. That is, that is not good. Um, Brian didn't go quite heavy enough on his rip into Dylan McCaffrey, which is like the light version of Mason Petrino, which was already the light version of a good quarterback. Uh, McCaffrey, 42 for 62 with 447 yards, three touchdowns and an interception, which is propped up by going 23 of 28 last week against Idaho State. Uh, If you take out the Idaho State game where he had, admittedly, the game of his life, he had five incompletions and almost 250 yards in the air. 19 for 34, so 56% completion percentage, 213 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception in his two starts previous to this game. Uh, Jacob Sermon is their backup quarterback. He played at UW, then played at Central Michigan uh, with Rob Akey, actually. Uh, he is significantly better than Max, or than Dylan McCaffrey, but his last name is, unfortunately, not McCaffrey. So, fortunately for us, we will not likely see him because... The only way he's getting on the field again is if, I don't know, the McCaffrey family gets fired. Um, I, me- I messaged the beat reporter for Northern Colorado during the game last week saying, you know what, this is great news. I am stoked for Idaho to have to go against Dylan McCaffrey. Like we're, We mm-hmm. typically on the show don't highlight individual players and shit on them, but the reason for this is the obvious nepotism connection that Vandals are uh, very familiar with. Northern Colorado's FCS opponents, I'm talking Sagarin, right? Ratings for a second, just so we have a barometer to reference. Idaho State, 223. Lamar, 227. And Houston Baptist, now listed as Houston Christian, 238. Bring bring up those numbers because those are three games for Northern Colorado comparable to Idaho's one game against Drake, Drake's 250. We on this show have thrown asterisks a thousand times about, hey, Look, we Idaho look great against Drake, but you gotta. You, there's some stuff you can't extrapolate from playing a team that sucks. Well, any stats that you look at from Northern Colorado, three of their four games are against teams comparable to Drake. And Northern Colorado lost at home to Houston Baptist, came very close to losing against Drake. Did look better against Idaho State. That is their most recent one. But again, Idaho State, they're down their third string quarterback. Uh, 
if you're talking Idaho State with a third string quarterback, they might be worse than Drake. So the stats that are accrued are unbelievably inflated. And again, even with an inflated numbers, team can't run. And there's just almost no creativity on offense. If you look at their wide receiver room, you would expect that based off FBS transfers, because this is a thing UNC dudes will tell you, is that Northern Colorado has the most FBS transfers into the program this year than any other team in the big sky. Uh, Vandals, no. There's nothing magic about that letter B in FBS. In 2018, Idaho had, had an entire roster of FBS transfers that finished in the bottom half of the big sky. But you'd expect some talent to have trickled through somehow. But like in the receiver room, Cassidy Woods from Washington State is probably the most talented dude. But if you look at his numbers, he's not particularly impressive because there's no wide receiver, honestly, other than Elijah Dotson as a running back catching passes, who looks to be that threatening at all. Yeah, Brian, you you alluded to it. Cassidy Woods, from uh, formerly from Washington State, he was honorable mention big sky in 2021, uh, led the team with 48 receptions for 483 yards and four touchdowns last year. This year, he has 10 receptions for 88 yards. If you look across the stats for this team, it, it's bad. Uh, I mentioned they have a starting fullback listed on the roster as a starter. He has no registered stats this year. Um, he was a finalist for Pardon My Takes Low Man Trophy last year. He has zero registered stats this year. If you go across the rest of their receiver room, uh, Travis Graham transferred from Texas State. He's currently leading the team with 14 receptions, 240 yards, and three touchdowns. Decent numbers. But then you start going down and you look at the other starter, Zane Zinicola. He played for McCaffrey at Valor Christian High School. Two receptions for 28 yards. Uh, the other two major receivers on their team, 13 receptions for 157 yards and a touchdown. That's Ty Arrington. And then redshirt freshman Noah Ford has nine receptions for 66 yards. So not a whole lot of offensive output throwing the ball, not a whole lot running the ball. Uh, they have a sophomore tight end, Alec Pell. He has 20 receptions, so the tight end leads the team in catches. This is a this is captain check down offense to its finest. And by finest, I mean if you think 10 points a game is good, that's what this offense is striving for. This is an absolute ass team. If you even look at their offensive line, they have three three seniors, uh, left tackle, left guard, and center that have all played very little. The left tackle was a defensive lineman at Northwestern before he transferred down to play offensive line and left tackle for Northern Colorado. This is a team that just does not feel like Ed McCaffrey has any idea what the hell he's doing. You look at the depth on this team, like Brian said, there's a bunch of FBS transfers on this team, but they're not playing right now, which means either they were terrible at FCS, in the FBS – or Ed McCaffrey is a terrible coach that doesn't know how to get the best out of players that are you know, better than they they should be. Uh, this is just this is not a not a team that strikes fear in anybody. I do have a, a completely unrelated note we have to mention. Brian mentioned that we try not to throw any kids under the bus. We try not to talk poorly about anybody. But I, this is just this is perfect. Luke McCaffrey, the one McCaffrey that is not involved with Northern Colorado, is currently with the Rice Owls. Last year, he couldn't win the starting quarterback job to Jake goddamn Constantine, the absolute goat of the bounce pass four yards away from the line of scrimmage. So if you couldn't beat out that guy, what are you doing? I'm pretty sure he. Uh, Tom Kendall mentioned he he jumped over to the receiver room, couldn't hack it as a quarterback. This is just not a – I know there's Christian tearing up the NFL. Ed had a great NFL career, but – this is just not not the first family of football. They thought they were getting the Mannings, and they got I don't know the Manninghams. Uh, there's this is just not a good team, Brian. 
Yeah, I want to really go to be clear though to, to listeners about why we're as harsh as we are. It is to me strictly, it is that the McCaffrey family that is at UNC is, has clearly not treated the big sky as a serious place. I mean, last season, Max McCaffrey, offensive coordinator, the best national news Northern, Northern Colorado had is when Max McCaffrey threw a fit because a Montana State fan who was a senior in high school made fun of his pants being tight and Max McCaffrey snapped a clipboard and chucked it into the stands. Now, Dallas, you already referenced the arm strength, so we already know. Of course, no one was hurt. Of course, a perfect connection would, would not have meant anyone was hurt anyway. But it's just a version of, look, can you imagine at University of Idaho, what, what would we have said if Paul Petrino had snapped a, clear, a clipboard and chucked it into the stands? I don't care who at. We, we would have said, hey, this is embarrassing. This is preposterously stupid. This is suspension, stuff like that. I think we said a lot of that about his tenure without the clipboard snapping. But Absolutely. But, of course, nothing happened to Max last season because of that. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have even come back as offensive coordinator. The team scored 12 points per game last season in the Big Sky. Their numbers are better now. But uh, check back in after Northern Colorado's played some teams that are above number 220 in the country. Uh, we'll, we'll say offensively, Dallas, we were talking about receivers. Elijah Dotson has been an effective receiver. He averages seven yards per reception, but his longest is only 17 yards, which that means when look Dotson, 15 catches for 110 yards. That means he actually, those are kind of the chunk plays Northern Colorado has that are the most intimidating is way too strong a word. Uh, Dotson also returned a, a punt for a touchdown last week too. So that is a weapon that like, that is a player that I don't need to be aware of. He was mentioned as the special teams player of the week in the big sky conference for that last week. So exactly. It does have the explosive big play ability. Obviously was a great running back at Sacramento state two time, all big sky. He's just rotting away in Greeley, Colorado now. Yeah. And we have to not let go of the defensive side of the ball either. Northern Colorado surrendered 449 yards to Idaho state last week when Idaho state was already on their second string quarterback. And then it went down to third string, third string Sagan Gronauer. That is a terrible Idaho state team that moved the ball pretty damn well against Northern Colorado. Not that far from 500 yards, uh, a, a better overall yardage output than Idaho had against Northern Arizona. So, we spend a lot of time on the joking part because it's it's really easy and real fun to make fun of a team who is not us. It's real fun to see the nepotism thing exist outside of Moscow and to understand what that means. And that's, of course, to me, always the butt of the Northern Colorado jokes. I wouldn't mind if they actually were an okay team. But as long as McCaffrey's not going to take stuff seriously, I'm not going to take him seriously. Defensive side of the ball, I am 0% concerned for Idaho about what kind of footprint Northern Colorado is going to have. They've been without All-American linebacker David Hoge for essentially the entire FCS season. Uh, that That's a that's a surprising thing to hear if you don't know Northern Colorado, that yes, uh, Northern Colorado has, has an All-American linebacker in spite, in spite of having this overall terrible defensive front. But uh, not concerned. I don't know if Hoge is even going to play, but I am 0% concerned about what kind of effort Northern Colorado is going to be able to to have in this game, even if Hoge is available. So Hoge was not listed as a starter last week. Obviously, they haven't put out their depth chart for this week. They don't normally do that till Thursday. But even if Hoge is, is able to play, I doubt he plays at 100%. 
even if he did, it's 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 not going to matter, guys. This if Idaho loses to this team, this is one. This is a more embarrassing loss than just about any loss in the Petrino FCS era. This is a terrible team. Idaho has shown time and time again this year. This is a different Idaho team. This is this is ripe for Idaho feeling real good about itself after after homecoming is over. Uh, just looking at this team, obviously Brian mentioned Hoge, but you go to the defensive line. The the best player on their defensive line. He played seven games last year. He has twenty eight tackles this season. He's decent. His name is Nick Norris. The other end uh, on the line, Brooks Talkington, is a redshirt senior. Uh, he has started fourteen games in his career, so he's about the only guy on the defense, at least in the front seven, that really has a con- consistent amount of playing time over years. Most of this is just guys that have never really played together, never really played for UNC. Just kind of slapping shit on the field to see if it's going to fit. It's it's kind of a mess. Uh, you look at redshirt freshman Joe Brown at nose guard. He played in three games last year and is is the unquestioned starter that almost never gets taken off of the field uh, at this point. Uh, he has 10 tackles this year. He's a nose guard. He's not going to put up a ton of stats, but trying to look at this team and say, oh, there's somebody here that's terrifying. Just look, looking at the stat sheet, you're not going to find it. Uh, RJ Potts, outside linebacker, former Cincinnati transfer. He's listed as their starting outside line, one of their two outside starting linebackers. He has three tackles in four games as the starter. Now his backup leads the team with 39 tackles. So I don't, I don't really know why he's listed as the starter when the backup's clearly playing more, but none of these guys are, are all big sky talents. None of these guys are putting up incredible numbers. They have four turnovers this year or four interceptions. And I think two recovered fumbles this year. So the decent ish numbers there, I guess, but just not Brian, you're muted. If you're chatting away there, buddy. God damn it. Was the asterisk. Motherfucker. Three out of the four games Northern Colorado has played are against the bottom of the barrel teams that would be that are as bad or worse than Idaho State. Uh, defensive stat I want to reference here: like running the football with that awful schedule or easy schedule, Northern Colorado still is the third worst rushing defense, and as Dallas referenced, the second worst rushing offense. That Northern Colorado averages two and a half yards per rush. They surrender four point four yards per rush for two hundred nine and a half yards per game. So, what you're telling me, Brian, is is not good. No, we're all almost closing in on it not being fun to keep talking about Northern Colorado because of how terrible they are. Uh, but passing the ball, the stats are misleading again. And Dylan McCaffrey last season averaged four point nine nine yards per pass in Big Sky play. He's clearly doing better in the early season so far, but I think Idaho is going to be a great barometer for the bears are going to finally be confronted with an FCS team that is not terrible. And from what I saw last week again, against Idaho state, again, I, I saw Idaho state, Northern Colorado. And my first thought was my God, homecoming is going to be pretty damn fun this year. Yeah. I mean, Guys, I, we're going to just keep kind of going through the roster and pointing out people that are starting, that are names you're going to hear on the broadcast if you're not, for some reason, showing up to homecoming, which at that point, I will disown you if you're not coming to homecoming. You need to be there. This team is going to beat the absolute fucking shit out of Northern Colorado. 
Jason Eck is doing everything he can to engage the fan base and bring people back. This is not the Paul Petrino team. If you have just found Tubbs at the club for the first time, we have more live listeners right now than we've had, I think, in our, our show's history. If you are listening to Tubbs at the club for one of the first few times and you the Eck, this Eck era has brought you back to Vandal football, this is not the same bullshit we watched from Paul Petrino for eight of nine years. This is not that. This is a team that goes out there, punches people in the mouth. They have a lot of fun doing it and continue to fight on every single snap. And that's not what we saw under Paul Petrino because the guy just, the guy lost it at the end. If you have the ability to go to homecoming for the love of God, please go to homecoming. It is going to be a blast this year. If you like watching the Vandals beat the shit out of teams, this is the year to go to homecoming. With that said, well, I was going to say, you brought up beating the shit out of them. We have to talk about the Idaho angle. Okay, so Northern Colorado sucks because they do. Uh, what does that mean as far as an Idaho approach? We've already seen offensively, Idaho is going to run the football if they can. The X not afraid to call, have pass plays called, but uh, it's pretty clear that in that if the Mendoza line is 50-50 of you know, splitting rushes even and passes evenly, Jason Eck, with this roster right now, would prefer to probably rush about 60-ish percent of the time. It was a little bit more dramatic figure last week than in, in previous weeks. But I see no reason at this point, other than learning about the health of Anthony Woods, fresh, uh, true freshman running back for Idaho, uh, I don't see any reason Idaho is going to struggle to run, run the ball against this team. I mean, Idaho State was effective running the ball against Northern Colorado. And you want to talk about another team. That, ha- that absolutely cannot run the ball whatsoever. Uh, Idaho State has looked pretty awful all over the place, and Northern Colorado did uh, give the Bengals some some moments in the sun, you might say. Uh, Jason Neck is and, and Luke Schleisner, there's no question. We're gonna, Idaho's going to look to just ram it down Northern Colorado's throat, do that kind of prophylaxis we, j- we had last week against Northern Arizona of uh, Idaho advances the ball, doesn't rush through our play calling. This is the opposite of Oregon. And then defensively, we're doing everything we can to get get the Bears off the field quick. Yeah, the if you try to look at the the stats for this team, the, this is Idaho's recipe to a T. They're going to run the ball right down their throat to four to five yards of carry every single play. And and this is probably going to be a pretty short game because Idaho is just going to keep it on the ground. If you look at the stats uh, against Northern Colorado, their opponents are only averaging 203 yards in a game in the air. Extremely low numbers, which makes you maybe think, oh, maybe they've got a decent passing defense. No, that's that's not the case. They allow 178 yards a game on the ground. Uh, to teams like Brian said, Idaho State that really can't do much of anything well. Idaho is a team that obviously is run first. That's X mindset. We saw it even just last week when Idaho went and put up almost 200 yards on NAU, which is a considerably better team and considerably better defense than NAU. Even if Anthony Woods doesn't play at all, uh, we don't know what his injury status is. Uh, no, he got injured on the uh, on the field at NAU didn't come back into the game, even if he's not playing, if it's a bunch of Roshan Johnson, Elisha Cummings, maybe a little Andre Carter sprinkled in there, this team could end up with 200 rushing yards very easily. I actually, I would, if I had to gamble on that, I would gamble, take the over. Uh, Idaho is going to put up a bunch of, a bunch of yards on the ground. This also feels like we might see Jack Lane in this game. If the plan is to give Jack Lane four games to 
to kind of work out the kinks and and get a little bit of experience, this feels like the type of game that Jack Lane might be playing the entire fourth quarter because this game is not likely to be close for realistically any point after halftime. With the asterisk, when Jack Lane played earlier, he didn't just come in during garbage time. He he came in in the second quarter because it was scheduled time uh, to get him the ball. So want to hit the running point one more time for Northern Colorado, Dallas. You referenced the overall stats, but for for further contextualization, Northern Colorado surrenders the third most rushing yards in the big sky right now. You said that number 178.5, and that's also with an unbelievably easy schedule. The comparison, Eastern Washington absolutely cannot stop teams from running the football, but Eastern Washington's at least played a few teams that can run pretty pretty well. Tennessee State, even though they're not great, they're a good running team. Uh, we all know who University of Oregon is, and Montana State their entire identity is based off of running the football. Well, uh, Northern Colorado is uh, they're, they're still a little bit ways away from the Eastern Washington raw number of three Oh two, but uh, they are Northern Colorado is not that far from the yards per carry average. Eastern's Eastern surrendered while Eastern's had an unbelievably difficult schedule comparatively. Yeah, I, Brian, I don't. Need, I don't. I got to be honest. I don't even know where to take this at this point. Like, I don't know how many other ways I can. I can explain, guys. This team is terrible. Idaho is going to destroy this team. This, if Idaho does not come out and destroy this team, it would make me question if Paul Petrino somehow got his job back. This is. This feels like a game that Brian and I could be coaching, and and we would win. Like, this is just a. This is an outclassed team with a coach that is so far in over his head. This is just. This is not. This is not even worth debating at this point. Uh, Idaho has proven that they are so much better uh, this year than they have been, just in their overall consistency. I trying to look at any sort of angle I can to to give UNC some sort of positive thing here that maybe they should be looking for, but this feels like a body bag game for them. Like the, the if you even if you look at their schedule and not to not to go into a Northern Colorado preview here, but if you look at their schedule, they've played the four easiest teams, well, the three easiest teams on their schedule, plus a, an FBS body bag game with Wyoming. They play Idaho, Sac State, Montana State, UC Davis, Portland State, NAU, Eastern. Like this is, they're in the meat of their schedule, and they somehow struggled past the two, two of the three worst teams on their schedule and lost to the other one. So this is this is a team that realistically is. They they have won every game they will this year. This is this is over. This is bad. This is going to be a real bad season for those guys. So to get to a more interesting part for for you, Dallas, and everyone else on the show, a couple of things that I want to see out of Idaho because I think look, I don't think there's suspense. Everyone knows all three of us are going to pick Idaho to win this game. Giovanni uh, McCoy looked pretty damn good against Northern Arizona last week, and Northern Arizona did have some times where. Uh, they were able to get some pressure on McCoy because th- this is not going to go away. Offensive line is one of the relative weaknesses of University of Idaho's football team this year. Uh, McCoy was good on his feet, eluding sacks, extending plays, 18 to 20 for just under 200 yards. is pretty damn hard to beat. I, I won't, I'm expecting McCoy to look much more comfortable this game against Northern Colorado than he did against Northern Arizona, where Northern Arizona's at least had a few defensive outings that made us heading into the game say, well, this is how Idaho could struggle as Northern Arizona looks shockingly strong defensively. That's not the case for Northern Colorado. So when Giovanni does have his number called, he does get to air it out a little bit. And you know, that's going to happen some for sure. Um, 
because you know Eck doesn't call boring round up the middle plays. Even when we're run heavy, there is some creativity. It's still fun to me. Um, I'm I want to see Giovanni McCoy show a little more comfort that just like in the NAU game. I'm also curious to see Jermaine Jackson's clearly the top target as far as yardage. Michael Graves surprisingly seems like the number two target, dead even or almost ahead of Hayden Hatton as far as guys that McCoy is reliably looking for. And uh, I guess seeing whether Michael Graves continues to assert himself or Hayden Hatton steps into the role that we've seen him take over previously. It's just, you know, hey, play calling is different. The the repetitions are not there in the same way. Um, that to me is an inter- interesting dynamic at this point. Uh, Therese Trainer still hasn't seen the field until he sees, when he sees the field, we'll start to wonder about him. But Idaho's wideout room has looked really fine uh, just without him. If he plays, that's another talented dude. But if he's not, we've had people step up. Uh, so the differentiation in the number two wide receiver, let's say, between Michael Graves and Hayden Hatton is something that I think you might be able to notice in this game. So in the comment section, Tom Candle asking a question. I want to know if Eck calls the plays. Seems kind of like it does. Seems kind of like he does from his sideline actions or does Luke. From everything we've heard, Tom, Luke Schleisner is the one calling the plays. Eck, I'm sure, has his uh, maybe suggestions. Maybe it's a little stronger than a suggestion being the head coach. But from everything we've been told, Luke calls the plays. Eck has determined he just wants to be head coach. And the, the way that he kind of said it felt like it was shade at Petrino. Um, the way he had kind of explained it was he wants to be involved in all aspects of the team. And if he was calling plays, he'd have to realistically serve as the offensive coordinator and he would focus too heavily on the offense without being involved in the rest of the team. So uh, kind of shots fired at Petrino there, but hey, I, I'm all for that. Um, one other thing, uh, Patrick Ferks mentioned in the comments, don't forget about Dwyer. Like we, we talked about the receiving room. Jordan Dwyer looked like he might've been set to be the best receiver on this team. Obviously a true freshman is, I mean, he's going to, he was working up towards that and then unfortunately got hurt. Didn't play last week. We're not, we're not sure of his status either. Um, but this is a, this is a weird a weird inflection point for, for us at tubs at the club, Brian, I, I don't, I don't fully know how to talk positively about Idaho because from everything that we're looking at, Idaho should have a positive win loss record week five that, and that is, that is not something I'm used to saying, um, especially in the era of body bag game, body bag game, disappointing loss in the first game of the big sky conference and and then the season's over how do i don't know how to explain this guys any more than i than i have like this is a completely different team than what we have been used to in the past and it is time for this fan base to to come to full grasps with that and, and i know there's a lot of ptsd built up over the last nine years but this this team is different man Jason X guys are different. This is a different team. This is a team we are going to be talking about every single week as a potential. Holy crap. We're, we're still on track to try to make it to the playoffs. And that's not something that I think any of us expected in the last couple of years. Well, I guess what you're getting at is, Hey, what does this game mean for Idaho? What it means to me is Idaho absolutely should be should finish that first run of three games that I've said I think is the most important run of, of the of games for Idaho's entire season and setting the table for the rest. Idaho has a great chance to have a three-game winning streak for the first time since honestly probably 2016. I didn't look up the stat. I just know that Idaho football doesn't have this army of three-game winning streaks since then. It gives Idaho 
a chance to work out some kinks heading into our first big, our first marquee matchup of the Big Sky season one in in uh, two weeks because Idaho has a bye week after homecoming. Idaho is going to travel to Montana where to play University of Montana, which will be the first game University of Montana plays against a team that does not suck so far. Uh, also, Dallas, one of the things you brought up, you brought up indirectly, which is this team, the character of this team, the personality of this team is pretty damn fun. It, it's definitely a high intensity group. It's a team that this might, this honestly, I never thought I'd say this because the Drake game, Idaho still beat the shit out of Drake. It's just a slow start. Idaho's three strongest outings have been on the road this year. What, when was the last time? When in God's name was the last time we would have <laughs> thought of that? Uh, and this is a this is a chance for Idaho to pad that extra win. We're at a point, Dallas, where I know we haven't brought it up on purpose. The magic number is seven for Idaho to make the playoffs. Idaho can notch win number three, so we're down to four wins left, which then leaves Idaho in situation of look. We know Idaho State sucks. That should be a win. We know Portland State at least kind of sucks. They look like they're comparable to NAU. That reasonably should be another win. We're at five, which means there's four games. Montana, Sac State, Eastern, UC Davis. If Idaho can pick off two of those, the Vandals are for sure in the playoffs. If we pick up one, we're probably on the outside looking in, but there's at least some suspense. That's all buttressed off picking up win number three this week. Exactly. And I think you know we're... We're about 35 minutes into the show. I don't think there's really any other way to continue to say, guys, Northern Colorado sucks. Get your tickets for homecoming. This is going to be the coronation of the bullies coming back to the big sky. This is time. This is happening. This is now. Do it. Martin's got the got it up on the screen. Look at how many empty seats there are in this dome. This is very sad. There are a bunch of tickets available, which is great sign for anybody listening to this or anybody that's listening to this, maybe not live, but on a podcast or seeing this sometime before the, the homecoming game, there are tickets available for homecoming. If you are on the fence about trying to get back into Idaho football, now that the bad man is gone and the PP has been shrunk, this is it. Commit. Come to this game. You are not going to be disappointed. Just the, the game against Drake, the, the difference between Petrino's team and X team is all based on third down. If you look down at Eck on third down, he is... He's got his arms up in the air, trying to get the crowd involved, trying to get people to scream. And then when it does happen and a false start happened for Drake on a third down, he turned around and yelled, that shit's on you guys. Fuck yeah. Nice job. Like the guy cares. The guy wants fans in the seats. The guy wants people to support this program. And that is not something Paul Petrino ever cared for. That guy didn't give a single shit about doing anything that was positive media relations or positive public relations didn't care to do any of the outreach part of being the head coach of a university. He just cared about showing up, losing a bunch of football games and getting paid for it. I mean, yes, he tried hard and he probably tried to win, but sure didn't look like it. Sorry. little PTSD about that. This is the P -P -P time guys. PP PTSD. That's it. PP PTSD. This is it guys. Get your tickets to homecoming. And I don't, I wish I got paid for saying that, uh, but get your tickets to homecoming. All right. Well, uh, well last thing. Hey, Martin, can you throw that, it, that um, seat chart back up? Cause I want to bring something up because this is something that is reasonable for, for some people uh, about, Hey, cost of attending a football game. I'm not going to complain about Idaho's ticket prices because season tickets for Idaho, if you get GA tickets are pretty damn cheap. But what I'm going to say, is if you see that map right now, 
if you're a person who's concerned about ticket price, be a cheap bastard like me. Buy a GA ticket and sit wherever the hell you goddamn want to because there will be space to move around. That is uh, certainly a way that, that a person can, can limit their price if they don't have tickets at this point. That's my big my big addition for tickets too. It's just yeah, you, can, no. you can still buy the cheap ones and sit wherever the hell you want. That right now the Dallas is bringing this up because the initial the number for attendees of the Drake game was five thousand eight hundred. A disappointing number for sure. And look, it's going to take time to get everyone back in because fan bases do not sell out arenas unless you get the fair weather dudes to turn to tune back in. Everyone who's plugged into Idaho football is stoked as hell. We do need more people to. Uh, to get off the fence. But if you're a person who's on the fence because of cost, buy a GA ticket. They're not that expensive. And if you, if you are a casual listener, then please, I try to trust in me. I'm telling you, you will not make the right, the wrong decision by going to this game. This will be a, a good experience for you. If you're one of our diehards, uh, even Tom Kendall is throwing it into the chat. His buddies grab GA tickets. They like to talk and, and not really watch the game. So they grabbed GA tickets. That's, that's totally fine. Find your casual friends. Find your, your other Idaho alumni. Find people that are casually interested in Idaho athletics and talk them into this. This is a different team than the last nine years. Honestly, it feels like this is what Idaho was supposed to be for the last 25. It, it feels like the Band-Aid is finally ripping off. The scabs have healed. It's time for Idaho to start punching people in the dick. With that said, we have filibustered long enough it's time to predict what this game is going to be. Producer Martin coming back out of the shadows. He's magically appeared on screen. Oh, gosh. Oh, game time now? Yes, game sorry. Now? Okay. I, 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 I'm going to go Idaho 45-10. 45-10 is, oh, God damn it. That is a number I probably would have wanted to take. I'm going to say Idaho. I'm going to go Idaho 30, no, 41 to 41-10. I'm saying the 41-10 because the one of the other asterisks in both games this season, Dallas, where Idaho's won and looked effective is third down conversions haven't been where they need to be yet against good teams. You know, like I, I think Jason Eck in one of his press conferences after the – Indiana game said Idaho is clearly an okay team or clearly a, you know, a, a, like normal ish big sky team, not good, not bad uh, th to make that developmental step. We have to start cleaning things up on things like third down, not having some of those false start penalties that did hurt Idaho on a couple drives against Northern Arizona. Uh, so, which is a long way of saying we're going to have some drives that should be touchdowns that end in field goals. Uh, you're not going to hear any any complaints from me on these scores, guys. I am kind of right in the same wheelhouse. Uh, I am going to give Northern Colorado two touchdowns, so I am going to predict Northern Colorado putting up 14 points on this Idaho defense. Um, the only reason being because their kicker is absolute trash. He's one for four this year. Um, not not good uh, field goal kicking. So I don't I don't have faith in them to even kick a field goal. I would assume they're going to go for it. Uh, Idaho. Ooh, this is a tough one. I, I'm feeling Idaho scoring at least five touchdowns, probably two field goals. So let's go with Idaho 41 to 14. With that said, that has been Around the Bar brought to us by Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. 
venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main river, the, oh boy, I jumped a hole. That was almost a, a pristine beaches moment. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the salmon river canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special treats like one to see the Persed meteor shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in the history along the river, and fish some of the mo remote, most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expeditions has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Again, 800-262-1882 or HughesRiver.com. All right, gentlemen, that takes us into the Big Sky Pick'em. Brian and Dallas, both with a tied record of 36-3. and three. Uh, Martin is 25-8. and eight. I'm not sure how the math works out on that. Um, I feel like we missed a couple games in there. Um, numbers are hard. We went, we all went to Idaho, so don't expect us to be great at math. Um, realistically, Martin's off because of picking Montana against Montana every week. Uh, beyond that, I don't know the numbers. Brian and I are close. Martin is close as well. Uh, who cares? We've got most of the games, right? I think we went perfect last week. That's all that matters to me. Anyways, moving forward. First game, Eastern Washington, Florida, or the hurricane who wins. If the game happens, it's going to be Florida. I have a feeling this might be like the Idaho-Florida game of 2014 where delayed kickoff, delayed right after the kickoff. Brian, you're muted. God damn it. Eastern Washington is obviously going to lose, and it's not going to be close. Eastern Washington cannot stop the run against FCS teams. They're not going to be able to have any sort of physicality with a Florida team that is uh, ready uh, to, to get a win on the schedule. The, in, the interesting thing here, of course, is I have the math on what we missed. Martin is Martin has 31 wins so far. He's 31 and eight. Thank you. That lines up much closer. I was like that, that number does not seem right. I didn't calculate these, but this doesn't seem right in my head. Okay. Uh, filibustering aside, Florida is obviously going to win this game. If anybody saw any bit of the Eastern Oregon game, this is going to be a lot the same if this game even happens. If I were Eastern, I would be rooting for the exact same situation that happened with Idaho damn near a decade ago. Take that uh, the opening kickoff, let them return it 80 yards, lightning strikes, game's called, get your paycheck and get the hell out of there. That's realistically the only situation that Eastern wins in is if the hurricane ends this game. Uh, yeah, I am East, a terrible Eastern thing to add real quick. Eastern surrendered 355 yards on 60 rush attempts against Montana state last week. Montana state got their asses kicked by Oregon state the week before you guys know the transitive property doesn't mean shit, but what this tells you is look if Eastern can't handle the physicality of Montana state. This is not going to be Eastern is not, a, is not a team that's going to surprise a power five team. This is just going to be a long middle, the middle of the season that then feeds into Eastern playing Sac state and Weber state. Thank you, Brian. Uh, so I am a terrible host, guys. I tend to forget about the YouTube comments. Uh, so I have been trying to like flow them up on the screen and I, I forget about it. So I apologize. But one thing I wanted to mention, Mark Trivelpiece, the owner of the Corner Club, 
shouting out into the comments, Eck has spent more time in the club in his first two weeks than PP did in nine years. He wasn't even there every other day. You got to give this man team some support. If you, we go through the comments, just quickly recapping the uh, the Tubbs listeners uh, on their thoughts on Idaho versus UNC. Tom Kendall saying 44-14. Uh, Jason Mayer, 52-6. Jalen Drake, 62-21. Nick Weber, 66-13. Mark Trivelpiece, 48-7. So all of our diehards all on the same page. Idaho in a bloodbath. Next game. The Montana Grizzlies versus the little brothers down in Pocatello. Regal gets his first win. Go Bengals. This is going to be just absolutely one of the worst games in the Big Sky season. I'm counting the bye games against Power 5 teams. I'm counting Eastern Washington against Oregon earlier in the year. Montana just beat the shit out of Portland State 53-16. to And look, we know Portland State's not like the best team in the Big Sky or even top half. But Portland State is miles ahead of Idaho State. Idaho State is going to be trotting out their third number three quarterback. Montana's relative strength is just is defensively, both against the pass and against the rush. They've got two two incredibly good corners in Justin Ford and Jaden Dawson. Uh, Dawson's a transfer from Idaho State who made the right call to flee Pocatello for Missoula. Grizz win this easy and also I think Bobby Houck is closing in on not always wanting to have games be, you know, like 31 to seven or something like that. If Montana can store, can score 70 this game, I bet they do. Rob Fennessy is an analyst for the Grizz. Now it's a revenge game. That's, that's the big one. It's the revenge game. That's what's going to tip it in Montana's favor. It's going to be close, but they've got Fennessy on their side. So they're going to pull it out. No, realistically guys, we're not an Idaho state podcast, but for anybody that's paying attention to the big sky, this team is probably not going to win a game this year. They're realistically, if you look at their schedule, they have two two potentially winnable games. Homecoming at home against Cal Poly. Cal Poly's not great. You could see pulling it out on homecoming. And then I would call the Idaho game the only other winnable game on their schedule because it's a rivalry game and weird shit happens. Other than that, if you look at this team, what they've done and what their schedule is, this is a team that's going to win zero games this year. Montana by a mile and a half. That takes us to... Top five Portland State hosting the NAU Lumberjacks. I, I'm going to go NAU this game. I, I just think yeah, Montana just beat them too bad. It's not going to be. A, it'll be close, but it'll be kind of like what the Idaho NAU game was last week. This is going to be our first chance to see if the Portland State team that hung with San Jose State is anything other than a mirage, kind of like the cat behind Dallas hanging out by the door for our viewers right now. Um, Portland State looked has just looked awful since the two San Jose State games. Quarterback Dante Sachere looked solid against San Jose State. Doesn't hit like tight windows, but he's effective at, at passing against the zone. He's also the only guy who can rush for Northern for Portland State. But the, look, another quarterback question: R.J. Martinez. We've talked about on this show. He's had one good game this season. It was against North Dakota a couple weeks ago. Martinez looked just bad against Idaho. Idaho's effective, but that's his third shitty outing. I am completely on the fence about this game because I think one team is going to uh, officially stake claim to the they're the worst of the second tier in the Big Sky, while the other is going to officially officially become the best of the worst in the Big Sky. I really don't like to pick Portland State, but I think I just did. Here I was thinking Brian and I were going to separate. I, I felt like Brian was going to loop it back to NAU at the end. I'm taking Portland State. This is, again, this is a 
like Brian, you said, this is the the determining of which team is the worst in the second tier of the Big Sky. That's that's what this game is. Um, NAU, if RJ Martinez continues to play as poorly as he had, it, it I just don't see it for NAU unless he turns it around and has the game of his life. Uh, Portland State in this one, uh, especially at home. Other thing to add, Portland State does have some some strength in the wide receiver room. And I got to say, man, we talked about it a little bit. Well, I talked about it on the postgame show. We hit on it just a teeny bit. Northern Arizona was really not impressive against Idaho. We beat the shit out of them after that first drive. And I know the – I just covered how Montana did a much more dramatic version of that against Portland State. But I got to say, after, what I, after the lack of fight NAU had at home against Idaho – it's going to be hard for me to pick them against anyone who's not like Idaho state. Yeah. I mean, it, that's again, we, I know Brian's the one who reacted to it. Martin and I briefly, briefly talked about our, our thoughts, but it really was after the, after the, the first drives from each team, it just Idaho took over and just pushed them around the field. Uh, the, the score was obviously pretty close because it was a game that Idaho just bled the clock off over and over and over. But, NAU did not look good last week. NAU got bullied around by Idaho. So, uh, and in the comment section, it's about 50 50 for our, our diehards. Half of them picking Penn State, half of them picking Penn State. Who it's, it's late. Portland State, uh, other half picking NAU. Uh, this is, this is kind of the toss up game this week of, of two just mediocre teams. But moving forward, we've got the fighting Bo Baldwins hosting his former disciple, now in charge of Sacramento State. Who do we got in this one? Sac State. Yeah, Sacramento State is in what used to be FCS stats, now the FCS, the analyst, top 25. Sacramento State is the number five team in the nation. Cal Poly is not. Cal Poly is going to have absolutely no resistance defensively whatsoever. Sacramento State, which is effective both through the air and on the ground, is going to do whatever the hell they want. Asher O'Hara, the running quarterback who plays about 40% of the snaps at quarterback for Sac State. Uh, this could be another game where he has one of those wild box scores where he has like 10 rushes for like 2.7 yards, but the four of them are for touchdowns. Uh, this is to me, not going to be close uh, Sacramento State also looks like they're for real. I mean, they they just beat the shit out of Colorado State. Colorado State in the Mountain West is awful, but I don't care how bad Colorado State is. They're certainly not as bad as Cal Poly. And Sacramento State just beat Colorado State 41 to 10 in Fort Collins. Yeah, I I just I don't see I don't see this game being terribly close. Uh, I mean, it certainly could be, but I mean, Baldwin obviously. What would have to go Taylor. wrong for this to be terribly close? Um, Troy Taylor falls asleep and misses the first three quarters of the game. It's, it's possible. There's like crazier things have happened. Um, I, I think it's more realistic that Troy Taylor is coaching at Utah when Kyle hit Whittingham retires than it is that Cal Poly wins this game. I just, I don't see it happening. There's Zach state is for real guys. This is, they're probably not going to go to the championship game in the playoffs. They're, they're going to fall apart at some point in the playoffs. But this team is legit. This team is is tough. Their defense is unbelievable. Um, we we talked before Eck was even a thought. We we ended up having an episode where we talked about what, what if we hired Andy Thompson, their defensive coordinator? Could it happen? I just there there's too much talent there. They're too good. Honestly, I do think we're going to be talking about Troy Taylor leaving for an FBS job sooner rather than later. They're going to steamroll Cal Poly. Uh, 
Yeah, Tom uh, Kendall in the comments section says, holy cow, Idaho is Sac State's homecoming game. Would love to spoil that. So would I. And I'm only bringing that up because I referenced the FCS analyst top 25 rankings. Idaho received votes. The end. I mean, we're we're getting there, guys. We are we are getting so 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 very close to Idaho getting a little bit of respect after five years back in the Big Sky. Uh, not that we you know wasted four years with an idiot in charge. Uh, anyways, second to last game on the schedule: UC Davis against the Montana State Bobcats without touchdown Tommy Malott. I I'm picking Montana State. Yeah, I'm Montana State too. Sean Chambers is the backup quarterback for Montana State, and he essentially is just like like Tommy Malott. He's not that different. Sounds like he's a – I mean, he's been the starting running back a little bit for Montana State with the volume of running back injuries the Bobcats have. Uh, but I I guess I'm not yet high that high on UC Davis. Davis, they have one win against San Diego Pioneer Conference – there's some impressive losses for Davis, particularly their week two loss at South Dakota State 24-22. And last week, uh, Davis hung with Weber. But again, Weber, Weber probably should have won that game by about three touchdowns. Turnovers kind of kept UC Davis in. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm lowish on UC Davis. I'm not lowish on Montana State, who just picked up a good win on the road against Eastern Washington, even with their starting quarterback going down. So, yeah, Bobcats, uh, pencil them in. Yeah, if this was in California, I might feel a little bit different about it. I don't think this is going to be a blowout game. Um, Montana State doesn't blow out a ton of teams in the this conference, especially when it's a team like Davis that is fairly solid, if unspectacular. Uh, Got to go Montana State. If it was in Davis, I'd have a little bit more thought behind it, especially with a uh, second quarterback being played for Montana State. But until until they prove me otherwise, you got to pick Montana State in this game. So, uh, Final game, guys. Weber State versus the bye week. Does Weber State come out healthy? Do they come out on top? I think Nick Weber pulls it out. Yeah, so that's number eight Weber State in the nation for 4-0. Uh, Weber State with a couple couple pretty impressive wins. We, we've talked about U- the Utah State win a couple weeks ago. We just talked about beating UC Davis last week. Uh, I don't know if, if Jay Hill actually would want a bye week this early. There's certainly going to be some things to tune up. Weber State has been had some surprising turnover issues, uh, even though in other games and other surprising issues, Weber State has been much more aggressive offensively with new offensive coordinator Mikey Mantle. Uh, but in short, yeah, Weber's going to be fine. Um, I voted Weber number one in my power rankings because I think Weber has a couple of the most impressive wins. So uh, that's a team to pay attention to, and that's a team if you're an Idaho fan you probably don't mind that the Wildcats are not on this year's schedule. Yeah. Couldn't be more thrilled that they are not on this year's schedule. Mickey mental. Uh, honestly, it's, it's making me go mental that their offense has finally been unlocked and they're scoring more than 10 points a game. Um, cannot imagine that guy's going to be there for that long. It's kind of the same. I get the same feeling with, with Rob Orich where it's, Orich is going to be a lot of fun while he's here, guys, but he's not going to be here for long. That guy is destined to be a head coach somewhere. Mickey Mental, the offensive coordinator at Weber State, came from Division II, uh, won a couple championships there, made it to the playoffs a handful of times, really good coach at D2, proving himself as an offensive coordinator. This guy's probably going to head elsewhere. Uh, so all in all, what I'm saying is 
kind of not the time you want your bye week if you're Weber State because you have been rolling on mostly all cylinders. So bummer for them. But that takes us to the end of the show. Martin, do we have a Martin minute for this week? I'm not gonna lie, I kind of forgot to prep for it. Don't forget, buy your tickets for homecoming. There's an I there's a volleyball game this Friday. You should come check that out if you're gonna be tailgating this weekend and tailgating. Check out I think it's like five or six PM in Moscow. Nothing I can't remember now. Soccer team, I can't remember the exact score, but soccer team is on another shutout in a row. Kira Vidi, I can't I, I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. It's German. I should know this. I should, but I don't is on another tear, another big defensive player of the week for the conference in soccer. But yeah. Yeah, I, I have to add this. We had an uh we're gonna call it an insider. Uh send me a tip here to make sure to talk about women's soccer. Uh, the Vandal women have not surrendered a goal in a month. The last team to score against Idaho's soccer team was San Diego State on August 21st. Since then, it has been uh, only wins and ties and absolutely no goals. Uh, last week, September 22nd, Idaho beat Weber State 1-0 and then uh, beat, Ida- beat Idaho State 1-0. So yeah, those two wins. And other tip from our uh, surprising insider, Vandal Hens golf team won their first tournament since 2016. Uh, I'm going to butcher this pr- pronunciation. The Vandal men's golf team won the SUIE Delank invite, which, okay, yeah, sure, I screwed that up, but we never talk about the golf team, so I don't care. Uh, but big news for other Idaho sports too, guys. And this has been, of course, because I'm filibustering everyone, even our close, this is this is partially brought to you guys by two things. Hashtag only tubs, patreon.com backslash tubs at club. And also, man, if you guys want the one and only King Spud sticker in existence with a Jason Eck visor, yes, yes, that is what the artistic inspiration was. King Spud told us himself as Jason Eck. Our King Spud has Jason Eck visor. It's an artistic rendering tubs of club paid for. We gave it to a pa- patron. So if you signed up as a patron, you should get them for free. If you're a person who wants to buy them anyway, one for three, two for five, message me or tubs at the club. Now, listeners on podcast will not be able to see that Dallas is having his King Spud stickers dance in front of the camera. But, hey, King Spud stuff doesn't exist anywhere else. Expect the comeback of King Spud when we close in on the Idaho State game because what else will we, will we talk about with Idaho State at this point other than maybe playoffs if we're there. But, yeah, that's two ways to support the show, dudes. Sign up as a patron or buy our stickers. Also, make sure to hit that subscribe button, guys. Uh, another way to support the show Whenever we get to a thousand YouTube subscribers, YouTube gets to pay us. And I mean, we would we would like more money to to help keep the lights on and enable us to do do more cool shit. Uh, we thank everybody that contributes to our Patreon because you guys keep the all everything we have to have to keep these podcasts running, keep the live stream going. You know, it, it does cost money to to run a website to have services that allow us to live stream to YouTube. It does cost money. We thank you guys for for your Patreon uh, dollars. That does it really truly does help us. It keeps the lights on. It keeps tubs at the club going. Buying these stickers is just another way to help us out. We do really appreciate it. But if you're going to spend your money this week, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the one thing you're not supposed to do. And I don't want you to buy stickers this week. I want you to buy tickets to homecoming. I want you to get your ass in that goddamn dome and pack that fucking place. Make it loud. And then. When you realize, oh yeah, Dallas was telling me the truth. That was a lot of fun. Then go buy your stickers. Then go contribute to the Patreon. But first, homecoming tickets. Go to the game. With that said, go Vandals.
Go Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.